Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am normally your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, but we are doing this on Friday because I was on vacation earlier this week as uh, your Friday host, Hamill, noted on Tuesday. Is that all fair news for you? Fine, whatever. Today, we have a very special guest on because uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world, and that includes the Bachelorette and our Steven Ruiz, who normally covers everything NFL, is covering the Bachelorette for the first time ever because he loves the NFL, obviously, and there are NFL players on it, former NFL players on it. So, Steven, what's going on, man? Nothing much. I'm just excited to talk some Bachelorette. Just my first time ever watching the show, and I got to say I was hooked by the first episode. Oh, this is going to be so good. Uh, but first, uh, let's hear from our good friends at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, this time of year brings us two things, graduations and Father's Day, and the gifts that go along with them. Before you buy dad another tire, that grad a balloon that will probably float away, ask yourself this. Does my dad or grad like wings or sports? Or better yet, both. If the answer is yes, then get them a Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. Right now, if you purchase $30 worth or more in-store or online, they'll give you a $5 bonus to keep for yourself. That's a gift that gives back. How generous of you. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports, terms and conditions apply. All right, Stephen, we got to talk about The Bachelorette. Take take me through, like, how did you start covering this in the first place? Well, we found out that Clay Harbor and Colton Underwood, two former NFL tight ends, they both play the same position, actually, were going to be on the show. And then we found out that a pro football focus analyst, Mike Renner, was also going to be on the show. And... Our bosses said, does anyone want to cover the Bachelorette this year? And, you know, I jumped on the opportunity because I'd never seen the show and I thought it would be fun to write about these crazy people trying to find love on a television show. Yeah, and I, I, I was so – I want to say I'm so surprised that you jumped in because I figured somebody else would, would bite the bullet, especially those of us who have seen The Bachelorette, which I had not. But it was cool because I think you come at it from the new perspective. So what did you kind of – take away from watching this uh this season so this, and we're only weekend obviously but but what, what was your takeaway that people are at least people that want to be on tv are sociopaths that was my main <laughs> takeaway like there wasn't a normal per- actually i take that back there was probably one normal person on the show and that i would say that's the the bachelorette herself becca she seemed pretty normal but the people she has to pick up a fiance from I, I do not envy her at all <laughs> well like what did you um sort of observe with the nfl players uh, you know colton underwood uh dated ali raceman for a little mm-hmm. while there and and uh, clay harbor i don't know much about uh we, what were your takeaways oh man these i i think colton has a real shot at winning this i i one of my notes when uh, I was writing about Clay was if Clay wins this I will eat my own eyeball that's how (laughs) confident I am that he won't win it I didn't I was going to include that in the post but I didn't want to get stuck into a Demarius Randall situation Mm -hmm. where I had to actually eat my eyeball because he somehow wins it but oh man Clay I like Clay too he's he seems like a nice guy but he's out of his depth here he's he was so nervous and he had just had the worst idea for when he got when he got alone time with Becca, he he decided, hey, my name is Clay. Let's play with clay like kids play with, like purple and blue and yellow clay. And oh, make really? Figure, figurines of each other. Oh, God. Like, that's not what you do. You don't – because it's not going to turn out well, and then the woman's going to be like, this is what you think I look like. <laughs> and if you want to see what clay ended up sculpting, check out my recap of it. It's, it's probably worse than you're imagining. 
yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, that sounds like when when Ted and I uh, recreated, tried to recreate the statue of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo using Play-Doh, and it came out a horrific mess. Uh, and yeah, I'm with you. Don't just choose something else. Or you, you, you kind of wonder like how much the producers are in their ears saying, well, this is what you should do, and this is what we have set up for you. But who knows? Um, I wanted to know also, just like I know that you and I are both fans of uh, MTV's The Challenge in the real world, and uh, I know that I used to watch... I used to watch... Which VH1 show was it? Was it... Um, I, I watched Tia, Tia Tequila. I will fully admit that. The first season... There of were Earth. so many of them. There yeah. Were so many. Tia, Tia Tequila, that was on... Uh... MTV. That was on MTV. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned that in the I mentioned that in the recap at the beginning. I I admit that I've never seen The Bachelorette, but I have seen the derivatives that were on VH1, including my favorite flavor of love. Oh, uh, that was the one, right? Flavor of love. <laughs> where the where the one of the contestants pooped on the floor in one of them. Oh God, did that really happen? I I stopped watching. Yes. I watched the the. What was the reality show where all the the celebrities went on VH1 and they w- lived in a house for for a few weeks? And the surreal life. The surreal life, and that was great, but that was not a dating show. So yeah, my my only venture into that was Tia 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 uh, Tequila. Um, so do you feel like you're hooked now? Do you feel like you're you're kind of in for the ride, even though it's not just you know NFL players who were involved in in the show? I mean, kind of. I think the novelty is going to wear off. I'm concerned that that this first episode is kind of like you know the beginning of american idol where you see all like the people that are terrible and then once you get later in the season it becomes more serious uh, that's what i'm fearing and i'm going to probably lose interest but right now yeah i'm into it because just because you know there's a bunch of weirdos on the show <laughs> you see you can't do that you're our you're our uh, bachelorette correspondent for the season but yeah you i'm certain you'll you'll be talking about the fatigue that will will come into play um, what other uh, I don't know observations do you have about the show? Do you do you feel like it's a fake show? Like that's like I mean obviously it has some like WWE ness about it, but and and obviously like these couples I I've not kept very good track, but I know that there have been some that have like totally fizzled out completely like weeks afterwards. Do you still feel like it's entertaining even though there is that sort of air of of WWE ness about it? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely there's a lot of stuff that's contrived at the beginning of this season. If you don't know about what happened at the end of last season, basically the Bachelorette this season, Becca, she technically won the show, but then the Bachelor ended up like second guessing himself and basically dumping her on national TV. So that's how they kind of opened this season of the show, and they had her like thumbing through Polaroids of I guess the good old days with. Ari, that was the name of The Bachelor. And then I was thinking, uh, no one has taken a Polaroid since 2003. Why? (laughs) This is fate. (laughs) She does not have Polaroids of this man. And then I want to mention one thing, because I kind of... I mentioned when I was writing about Clay's intro package, there was like this random dude that he was throwing a football with, and like ABC never really said who this man was. And I kind of mentioned that in, in my recap. And the guy actually hit me up on Twitter. His name is Jeff Cole, so I wanted to give a shout-out to him. And he told me that Clay read the recap, and I was really mean to Clay in the recap, so I was kind of nervous when he said that. But apparently Clay found it hilarious. So <laughs> That's awesome. That. The power of the internet wins once again. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you something because obviously you're an NFL writer, and, and uh, something that, that has, has come up in the last couple of weeks has been really fascinating to me, uh, which is – 
former Patriots players talking about how terrible it was to play for the Patriots, which is something that I've been waiting for for a really long time. But I felt like there's this omerta, which if people don't know what that means, that's like the code of silence in, in I think it's the mafia. You know, like you just, you, you don't say anything. If you're if you're a former Patriot, you don't say anything negative about being a Patriot, partially also because, hey, you probably won a Super Bowl or two. But it's been really interesting to me see seeing in the last nine months the crumbling of the the Patriots sort of air of silence around it and all these really terrible things. And now you got players saying like, oh, it was no fun. Like, do you think that's part of the, the trend that maybe the Patriots way is, is starting to wear thin? Uh, not really. I just think it's different personalities. People are going to take to the coaching differently. I mean, you'll have, you have more players saying that they enjoyed their time with the Patriots than those saying that they didn't. I just think, and I think a lot of these guys that are saying it, weren't really in the system for that long. Like, Cassius Marsh was there for, like, a, I don't even know if it was a full season. Brandon Brooks has bashed the Patriot way, but he was that was coming from the perspective of playing under Bill O'Brien, who was also a Belichick disciple. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Until you start hearing, like, the bigger names that leave the Patriots, like Richard Seymour left the Patriots. He never had anything bad to say. Jamie Collins didn't really have anything bad to say about it. So yeah, I'm not. I don't think it's that big of an issue. Interesting, because yeah, you had Teddy Bruschi, who's like you know the the lifer, you know the the, the one of the all time great uh, Patriots in the the Belichick era, just lashing out and saying like everybody's you know step away and and like winning winning is fun, and that's the thing by the way that I took away. I just interviewed um, a Jets uh, lineman today, uh, right before we actually did this. Um, and we were talking about it, and it was uh, he was saying winning is fun, and that's that's the thing that he takes away from it too is that mm-hmm. when when you're winning, everything goes well, and everyone's having fun, and I think that's really the the, the biggest takeaway. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Devin McCourty, or maybe it was yeah Devin McCourty, I think said he has. There's players on the Browns, the 0 16 Browns on the Patriots now, and they'll tell you how fun it was playing for the Browns last year. Right, exactly. Yeah, what what happens when you don't uh, do it? By the way, it was Kelvin Beecham who I was talking with offensive lineman for the Jets, uh, and and that was his takeaway. Uh, look out for that next week. I'll be printing a lot of stuff about that. What other things we've been looking at in the NFL offseason? We're kind of in the doldrums uh, of of OTAs and mini camps right now. What are you What are you looking at in the league right now? Um, I'm, I'm just looking at like what coaches are saying about the upcoming season and uh, Brian Schottenheimer, who is the uh, offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks, had some interesting comments. And by interesting, I think they were pretty. Uh, I think they were a dumb thing to say, just because how the league is going. He says we the key to success is for this offense is to be able to run the ball when defenses know you're running the ball. And I kind of get what he's saying. Like you want an offensive line that can win when they have to, but. I just don't think the key to the Seahawks offense is running the ball. Like you have Russell Wilson, you have a an offensive line that's not capable of op- opening holes in the running game as we saw last year. It hasn't changed much in in the offseason. So I, I I just think that's a dumb thing to say. So I'm really worried about the Seahawks offense in the coming season. If they if they're trying to just run into a brick wall all season, I don't think they're going to be very good and Schottenheimer doesn't really have a great track record when it comes to producing good offenses. So that's one thing that I'm really looking at right now is just seeing how these new coaches are planning on attacking the new season. 
Yeah, you pointed that out in, in your piece, which you all should read about the sort of the statistics of Schottenheimer's offenses over the years and, and uh, running the ball. And I'm with you as somebody who is a fantasy owner of who, who invested stupidly, knowing full well the Seahawks running uh, offense would be kind of terrible. I invested in a few of those running backs, the Eddie Lacy. Uh, uh, <laughs> who else was it? I mean, I can't even name names right now because we're in the uh, offseason. I'm, I'm in like NBA mode right now. Um, but all those guys, that group of guys... Even though they had some talent, they had the worst offensive line. And and Russell Wilson, as you pointed out many times last season, was getting chased and and getting bumped off. Uh, you know, luckily he has the legs to do it. Uh, bumped off of, uh, at a center and where he could run uh, because pass rushers were getting through like uh, knife through butter. So I'm with you. Like, why force running the ball when you have Russell Wilson who did amazing things despite his line and not because of it. And I think, I think there's a certain way you have to build your passing game when you are one of these run-first teams. I think you have to, uh, you know, go with that. You run the ball on first and second down, and then try to hit a big play off of play action. And I think that's a mistake with this team. I think with Russell Wilson and this offensive line, you want to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. I think you got to go do like a spread style system where you're just. Where like the quick passing game kind of replaces the running game on early downs. I think that's the best way for Seattle to to play offense this year. And I, it doesn't sound like Schottenheimer is going to do that. And he's never been a guy that's going to do that. He's a guy that likes to use a fullback and like kind of just grind out possessions. And that's just not going to work when you don't have an offensive line capable of winning every single down. Yeah, uh, it, the Seattle Seahawks they're not that great last season. I'm not so sure they're going to be that great this season either. Uh, we have a long way to go, though, before the season. Any other uh, observations you've made or kind of weird stuff that you've noticed in the league uh, right now? The safety market continues to be just a mystery. I don't know why these top-level safeties aren't being signed. You have Eric Reed, Trey Boston, Kenny Vaccaro. I kind of wrote I, I wrote about this, uh, I, I think it was a month ago, and I kind of suggested that maybe it has to do with these anthem protests because all of these guys have been involved in anthem protests protests in one way or another eric reed obviously knelt with uh colin kaepernick trey boston tried to organize some type of demonstration during a uh when he was with the panthers he tried to uh, organize a demonstration during the anthem i don't think it ended up working out and then kenny vaccaro was sitting during the anthem early last year and i think I mean, that's the only plausible explanation these guys are all in their prime they're all versatile players that can play a variety of roles that's what you want in a safety and i think the league is going towards those kind of hybrid linebacker safety type types and at least reed and vaccaro can play that position it's just odd that teams haven't signed them seems like a uh, more than a coincidence as you pointed out do you mm-hmm. think that this this uh these lawsuits where Ka- kaepernick and others who are saying that they're you know there's there's a concerted effort by these teams to freeze them out it, do you think that's that's legitimate I, I'm, I know i'm asking a legal question here but do you see i mean we see it as observers i think with validity from our observation point but like i don't know if legally it, it's going to happen yeah I- and I'm actually talking to Colin Kaepernick's lawyer later today. Oh, that's right. Talking bachelorette early in the day and talking collusion later in the day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be hard to prove. I think you're going to be able to prove that the reason he's not signed is because of his anthem protest. But you got to prove more than that. you got to prove that the league, at least two met owners or two teams came together and said, 
and agreed, let's not sign this guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be hard to prove without one of these owners doing something incredibly dumb and like putting it on paper, like sending an email. But I also wouldn't underestimate how dumb the NFL can be as evidenced by this anthem policy and everything they've done in like the last five years. Yeah. It's it, it, it. Yeah. And given what we just saw with the anthem policy coming up, uh, I'm, I'm baffled by that, but I'm also curious to see how people will react to that. And, and, and it, players will react to it. And also owners. I mean, we've already seen the jets owner kind of say, I will pay for, for anybody who, who gets fined. But of course, like the teams are the ones who have to do the fining. So this is going to be a whole new wrinkle uh, this fall with, with this. Do you, do you think, anybody will really find their own team and actually i could think of one team that might do it and it feels like the cowboys that's like a total cowboys move but i'm i'm speculating here is there any any team i do think well i think think it'll play out well i think uh well i want to clear one thing up i think it's the league the league finds the team that's it yes and the team the team can make its own rules as long as it's consistent with the league's rules so a team can decide to find the player there you go yeah i i don't think that's going to happen that's just bad PR for that team. I think maybe a team like the Cowboys could get away with it, but yeah, a team with like a more conservative fan base could probably get away with it. But I think most teams won't be able to. And I just think it was just going back to the the policy in the first place. I think it's just a bad idea all around just because what you're, what are you really doing? Like standing back in the locker room while the anthem is being played is basically the same thing as kneeling during the anthem. It's, it's not really changing anything. And when those players come out, they're still going to get booed and fans are, those fans that are upset with them are still going to make a big deal about it. I don't think it changes anything at all. It's just kind of like sweeping the issue under the rug. It's well, they, I at least trying to. Yeah. I think the NFL season an optics thing, right? That like you won't see them kneeling and okay, yeah. there's that, but yeah, you're right. It is the same thing as a protest. Uh, or it will be seen that way, even if somebody isn't doing it. You know, what if there are players like we've seen in, in past couple of seasons where they put their hand on a player who is kneeling in sort of solidarity in some way, right? Like, what if staying mm-hmm. in the locker room is part of that? Uh, so uh, there's a whole bunch of new wrinkles with that, and I, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, and we know that once... Um, OTA start for you know in, in, in a big way that you're going to start getting players talking about it and and oh man it's it's just another wave of this over and over again mm-hmm. and I no one was talking about no one was really talking about the anthem protest late last year after you know the issue kind of like went away and now they just brought it gave them a reason to bring it back up again it's just I don't understand the move at all Same. from any perspective. Well, we'll hear a lot about it from you, I'm sure, uh, over the summer and in the fall. Uh, you're the Stephen Ruiz on Twitter, correct? Yes, the. The. The, the <laughs> Ohio State University, the Stephen Ruiz. I've made that joke like a billion times on this podcast. I apologize. It never gets old. No, it doesn't. But, you know, you got to differentiate yourself from whoever. Who is at Stephen Ruiz? Do you actually know who that is? No, I don't. I, I do know that there's a Stephen Ruiz that was a member of the Hells Angels that like went on a murder spree and it was a big moment when I overtook him as the main Stephen Rees when you searched Stephen Rees on Google that was a big moment in my life oh yeah I'll never get overtaken on Google because Charles Curtis was a vice president under I want to say Calvin Coolidge or Herbert Hoover one of the two so yeah not <laughs> happening it's it's just I will never I will never take uh, Charles Curtis Stephen thank you so much for joining us and uh, keep on giving us great Bachelorette stuff yeah definitely